0: Hey, everybody. This is Robin Morady, the director of the North Carolina Lawyer Assistance Program. I'm here with John, who's a LAP volunteer and a civil litigator. John, thanks for being here with us.
1: Thank you, Robin.
0: So your article is entitled Hidden in Plain Sight. Can you speak to why you titled it that?
1: Part of the real hell of my alcoholism was my attempting to get alcohol, drink alcohol, and then ultimately get rid of the alcohol evidence, you know, without other folks seeing it. And that's because the people who cared about me uh, hated to see me drink. And I, for a long time, thought that at least somewhat I was uh, accomplishing that. So when I think of a new freedom that's promised us, part of that freedom for me is just not having to hide anymore. And you talk about being a binge drinker. Yes, um, I have often thought I was a little bit unique in my drinking habits because I really could go for long periods where, you know, and uh, towards the end of my alcohol- alcoholism, I was trying to not drink. So I would go long periods of time. What's a long period? Let's call it weeks. And sometimes that those weeks would extend more than a month. You know, my habit was that I would maybe drink on the weekends. And then over time, that increased, like I would start earlier, and then I would have to try to sober up and You know, so I would stop on a Sunday so that I could be at work on Monday. But over time, that increased. And it it really did get to the point where, you know, I would miss a couple of days of coming in. And then ultimately, when my alcoholism really kicked in, I could go a week, 10 days, you know, sometimes as long as two weeks of just solid drinking. And then I would have to work very hard to come out of it. It's hard to say, like, I would have to kind of wean myself off of it. I wouldn't eat much during those time periods, and I'd have to almost learn to eat. I would be um, so deconditioned physically that I didn't eat. So even my jaw, the muscles in my jaw would soften. So it became painful to eat after one of my binge. Over time, what happened is those binge times increased. It went from a habit of just being able to drink on the weekends, then they it got worse. That's the dictionary definition, right? Of alcoholism, that it's progressive. And that was my experience. It progressed over time.
0: Sometimes we talk about. Lawyers being functional alcoholics towards the end, when you were drinking for a week straight or two weeks straight, were you still functioning or were you just MIA?
1: So, I really thought I was functioning. I guess I picked times where I would be less active in my work, and really, for the longest time, I was very functioning. My worst experience with that that i can recall was that one time i had gotten over one of my binges and i was actually in a hearing and i remember needing to cross examine the witness and my you know i my brain just didn't get me there so i really felt that consequence because it was a you know it was an important witness and I just, I felt so bad about it that I, I knew I couldn't be effective in my cross-examination. And that, that's something that stayed with me. Ultimately, thank God I won that case, but I will never forget when I really felt like, okay, I was not being an effective lawyer at that moment. How long before you got sober was that? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you that Robin. I can't, you know, I just remember the, Episode. I knew it was a part of my wanting to stop, but I did want to stop for a long time. I I did. I was. I was. I couldn't believe it that I couldn't stop.
0: Mm. Well, you were part of a training that we did for new volunteers on the effects of intervention, and you were the product of a lap intervention. Some volunteers came to see you, and. Talk to you about possibly going to treatment. Do you want to spend a couple minutes talking about that?
1: Yes, I had, I was in one of those times when I was binging in an awful way. And I ended up leaving my home and going to a, a hotel next to an ABC store and checked myself into the hotel and continued to drink there. And ultimately, I guess uh, my family found me, and the intervention was in that hotel room after I'd been there four or five days. I don't know, and it was it was awful. Uh, I was in hell. Anyway, they found me and lapped it an intervention in that hotel, and it was done by the people who loved me, including my family. My daughters, my business partners, my business partners were more aware of my alcoholism than I believed once again. But anyway, so it was the people who cared about me that showed up for this intervention. And there was somebody from LAP uh, that I had no clue who that was. And, you know, ultimately what I'll say about that intervention and LAP's involvement was that it absolutely saved my life. Hmm. I truly attribute my life to what LAP did, and there's just no question about it.
0: Hmm. I've debated whether or not to ask this question in the beginning or the end of this interview, but there's an enlightening and pretty devastating essay that your daughter wrote as part of a college admissions process, and for anyone who's Listening to this, I encourage you to read John's article, and her essay is part of that article. I can only imagine that reading something like that completely changed your perspective on your story.
1: I had believed that somehow, and as absurd as it sounds today, that I was at least in part hiding the hell that I was experiencing and the hell that I was creating for my family. When I read that article and I, I cried, I still do, uh, when I read it again, it had been a while uh, since I'd looked at it, saw it recently and cried again. And it told me so clearly that any thought that I'd been hiding anything, it was, was absurd. I had known, I mean, I knew I was an alcoholic, but I always did think that I could beat my alcoholism. I just totally, my self-will was so strong. And I, when I reflect on that essay, you know, it makes me remember that I saw that scene, that scene with empty bottles and dirty sheets with my mother. Mm. And I knew then that if I had to take care of myself from an early age at certain times. My mother was the most loving, wonderful person in the world, but there were times she drank. And when she did, I was on my own. In a lot of ways, I had to learn to be on my own. And that was one of the things about my daughter's essay that she wrote, that she you know, had to find her own independence. And that breaks my heart to see and hear but it was also my experience and it made my self-will so strong that was really hard for me to to one believe I couldn't stop my alcoholism and two to accept that I could get help from a higher power
0: wow so in your article you write about living amends
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about their amends and some of the wrongs they did. And I certainly did those wrongs. But for me, it was the people that loved me, that were closest to me, that I was hurting the most. And I had promised many times and many, many times believing that I could stop drinking. And I made those promises to my kids. I made the promises to my wife. I made the promises to my friends. And I believed I could stop. And I couldn't. So when I thought about how I would need to do my amends, the fundamental change I had to make was to not drink. The people that loved me, they weren't looking for that. I was sorry, or anything else. They loved me, and all they wanted to see was me not drink. I thought it would be the hardest thing that I could do, but it was what I wanted to do. And you know, the rewards of that have been completely miraculous. My relationships with uh, my daughters, my wife, my sister, my friends have just. They're so, they're so incredibly different and warm and understanding now, and I can now joke with my daughters, they now have a trust that's only developed with a, a long amount of time, and it does take time.
0: How long have you been sober today?
1: I'm approaching 11 years in March.
0: That's great. You said that when you had the intervention, someone came from LAP, and you had not really ever even heard of LAP. Do you have any guidance for someone who might be listening to this today that has really never had any involvement with our program?
1: Yes, I do. One of the things that I really would like to have folks understand is that it's not the state bar. LAP really is a separate entity that is there to help you. You can share your most intimate problems with. I didn't understand that initially. I thought that being sort of turned into the bar, which scared the hell out of me. So I do want to have folks understand that it is a very separate entity that is there to help folks and is not there to punish you or take you away from practice of law. I did not have a bar complaint or anything like that at the time or since. But if I had, I know that LAP does try to help folks through those difficult interactions with the state bar.
0: Even though you never had any grievances or any bar complaints or any malpractice, do you think you lost any clients because of your drinking?
1: The truth is, Robin, that I don't think so, but it wouldn't surprise me. I am not aware of anyone that, you know, I contacted while drinking. Like I say, I worked hard at hiding it. And at least to the outside world, I I think to some extent I was successful. So I don't know of losing a client, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me.
0: In your article, you talk about alcoholism as a family disease and how it affected your whole family. Has recovery been a family process as well?
1: Yes, this is another thing that, that Lapp did for me that was just incredible to me, which was that the clinical director at that time, a wonderful man, uh, Ed Ward, he, he also got my wife involved uh, and got my wife uh, getting involved in Al-Anon. I stayed in rehab for six months because I was fearful that I could come back and drink after three months. And I felt unfinished, even in my rehab work. So I stayed longer and I was really glad I did. That was very difficult on my family. I, I, To this day, I will never know how my wife continued to run our family for that long a period without me. But one of the benefits... (laughs) probably been doing it a really long time. I, know, I know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, when I was coming out, my wife did understand the steps. She'd been introduced by LAP, through LAP's help with some of what my experience was. So yes, and I try to be authentic in my parenting, I try to be honest and loving and not father knows best, but honest in what my experiences have been. And so for all those reasons, our, I feel like our relationship is that we're very close, closer than I would have felt without the program.
0: Is there anything else you want to
1: add? I am very grateful to LAP. And I'm, I was able, after my rehab stay, to get back involved. And it's just a wonderful thing in my life. I wouldn't have a life without having experienced what I did through what LAP did for me. So I I just say thank you and really happy to still be involved with it. Well, we are
0: really happy to have you as a volunteer and love working with you. Thanks, John. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Robin. My pleasure. Thank you for joining
0: us at The Sidebar. If this is your first time, we encourage you to listen to another episode or two, subscribe to our newsletter, and peruse the resources at www.nclap.org. And if you know a lawyer who could use a hand, please share this episode with them today. Remember, at Sidebar, you are not alone. In fact, you are in quite good company.